I invite you to turn in your app, the Westover app, for our notes today. If not, you have your Bible. Go with me to Psalm 22. I want to speak on because of God's mercy. In the Old Testament, God established something to give a picture of himself to you and I called the tabernacle. There are three different rooms in the tabernacle, and there's one room called the most holy place, and God says, I'm going to be in that room. And there's only one piece of furniture in the most holy place, and that is the mercy seat. God is saying to you and I that we need to be acquainted with his mercy. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4, the Bible says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. We realize that God's mercy is available and God's mercy is abundant. Because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy. Well, what is mercy? Mercy is God withholding reprimand and judgment that is due in order to extend his love. God withholds judgment. Mercy, our, our, mind, our, our modern colloquialism would be, you've said this sometimes, give me a break. Would you just give me, would you cut me some slack? Let me say God's willing to do that. And God's word for that is mercy. And I want to suggest to us that there is a moment, an event in the life of Jesus that I think really opens up the door, expressing God's mercy and God's heart to us. And that's the moment in which Jesus was on the cross. So for a moment, just follow with me. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. His hands were spiked. His nails were spiked. His feet were spiked. There he hung for six hours on the cross. And while Jesus was on the cross for six hours, the Bible records seven different statements of Jesus on the cross. That is to say, at different times, over six hours, Jesus spoke something, and it's recorded for us in the New Testament. What is interesting, both the, Matt, the, the Gospel of Matthew and Mark state that three of those statements were made in the last hour. So over five, over five hours, Jesus makes four statements. But in the last hour, when it was dark above the la his dying moment, in Jesus' dying moment, his battered and bloodied body hanging on the cross, Jesus utters three statements. He'll say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He'll utter, I thirst. And then he'll say, it is finished. Some people think it's just spontaneous expressions of Jesus while he's on the cross. I want to suggest something different to us today. In fact, I want to suggest to you that in the last hour of Jesus on the cross, Jesus was singing a song. In fact, the words, those last three statements in that closing hour of Jesus on the cross, that song is found in Psalm 22. The, the book of Psalms is a psalm book. It's a hymn book. The Bible tells us that the disciples following what's called the Last Supper or, or the communion moment that Jesus shared together, the Passover meal, the Bible says, and they sang a hymn. Where did that hymn came from? 
come from? It came from the book of Psalms. They would sing. The, the, the book of Psalms was their hymn book, was their song book. And that was sung over and over again. And Jesus would have known those songs by heart. And those three statements in the last hour, the dying moment of Jesus, are actually recorded in Psalm 22. So I want to suggest to you, while dying on the cross with his hands spiked in his feet, he was singing the entire song. And at some moments, the soldiers or somebody else heard Jesus say something and they thought it was a spontaneous expression. But Jesus sang this entire song. Sometimes silently and muttering it through his weakened and suffering condition. But at moments, he would express it out. And that's the words we have recorded in the New Testament. So join me in Psalm chapter number uh, 22. And we're going to examine those three statements. But Jesus sang the entire Psalm 22 on the cross. Psalm 22 verse number 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far my cries of so far from my cries of anguish. Jesus made that statement on the cross in the last hour he hung on the cross. And I want to suggest to you that when they heard that, it was Jesus beginning to sing in his dying moment a song. That phrase in verse number one, my cries of anguish. It's not a moan. It's not a complaint. It's not Jesus just saying these scoundrels, look what they have done to me. The cry of anguish in the Hebrew, the word is the idea of an animal that has been wounded and, and has been hurt. Have you ever heard an animal that's been hurt and wounded? There is a cry, there is a yelp, there is a, there is a sound a wounded animal makes that's from any other sound it makes. And this is the Hebrew word, my, my cry of anguish. There was, a, there was a moan, there was a hurt, there was an ache in the spirit of Jesus as, as he began to say this. You know, there are times in life, just as Jesus sang, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, there could be a moment in life when you feel like God's a million miles away. Have you ever said to yourself, I can't take it anymore? Have you ever uttered that? Have you ever gone through something you say, I just can't take anymore in life? Pain, heartbreak, something comes just racing into your life and, and your, your best hopes are held hostage to to heartbreak. Have you ever said, I've hit rock bottom? Have you ever been there where you say, I just can't do it anymore? That's exactly what Jesus was expressing. And what we're encouraged by, Jesus is teaching us something. He's teaching us that we may fall, but it doesn't mean we fall away. Isn't that good news? We may fall, but we don't fall away. In Psalm chapter 37, the scripture says, Though we stumble, we do not fall because his hand holds us up. And it's, it's, it's encouraging to know in life when you feel like you, you can't see God, 
you're going through some. You say, God, where are you? God, where, where, where are you in all of this mess? Where are you in the pain? I can't see your purpose in this. To know that in that moment, God has not abandoned you. We, we may tremble on the rock, but the rock never trembles under us. God is there in the pain and the worst moments of our life, ready to heal, ready to restore, ready to bring his mercy into our lives. Let's go on. Another expression from the cross. The soldiers thought Jesus was thirsty. He said, I thirst. So one of the soldiers, the scripture tells us in the New Testament, took a stick with a sponge on it and wet it and took it to the lips of Jesus, but the Bible says Jesus refused to drink it. Why? Because he wasn't really thirsting. He was singing this song. Psalm 22, verse number 14 and 15, he said, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. He said, I'm poured out like water. Have you ever said, I have nothing left to give? Have you ever expressed that? Have you ever felt like you just, you just couldn't muster any more strength? Perhaps that's where you're at right now in your marriage. Is there a moment that you used to have a favorite song when you would hear the song played radio or perhaps you're in a restaurant and the background music, you would just look over at your spouse and there was kind of a twinkle in your eye. That's our song, but there is no more song. It has evaporated. You feel like you're caught in a loveless relationship and you said, I have no more to give. You ever come to church and words on the screen in the worship moment and you say, I just can't say that. I can't say it because right now I, I don't feel it. I don't, I'm not even sure if I fully believe that. It speaks about trust and confidence and assurance. But in your life, the unimaginable and the unbearable has come your way. And you said, I just can't take it anymore. You know, betrayal is that way. If trust in a relationship, a marriage has ever happened, betrayal seems to drain the relationship of energy, of love, of hope, dreams. It just, it just empties the person. It can happen to you spiritually. You know, you can get hurt in church. Somebody, a, a spiritual mentor, somebody you had great confidence in, and all of a sudden their character flaw is revealed and your hopes and your trust is shattered. And you say, I can't do it anymore. I've heard people say, I'll, I'll never trust again. I'll, I'll never get close to church again. I'll never allow myself to ever get in that position again. Why? Because they've been poured out like water. And what we learn is when we're down to nothing, God is up to something. When you're down to nothing in life, when you have nothing left to give, God is up to something. 
Let's continue. Verse number 16. Psalm 22. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. How true, how prophetic. Very thing that happened to Jesus on the cross, verse 16. They pierce my hands and feet. 600 years before crucifixion was invented, Psalm 22 was written. 600 years before the Romans even invented the excruciating execution of crucifixion, of nailing somebody to the cross, Psalm 22, 16 was penned. Verse 17, all my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. What does that mean? All my bones are on display. It's an idiom. You know what an idiom is. It's a, it's a phrase, an expression. We have idioms in our language. We, 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 we say, to, uh, you know, I'd give my right arm for that. Oh, you really wouldn't give your right arm for that. If somebody offered you that car and say, here, I got a saw, let's just trade right now. You would not trade, I'll just guarantee you, okay? You re- it's an idiom. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a phrase that we just have in our language. And verse number 17 is an idiom. My bones are on display. What does that mean? He's saying, I have nothing left to hide. It's an expression of saying, I'm completely humili- humiliated. Everything is exposed. Has that ever happened to you? Has ever has, has your worst secret ever been told? Has it come out? The thing you didn't want people to know about you, the thing you tried to cover, the thing you do in darkness, the, th- the thing you didn't want other people to know, the, addic- the addiction, the secret, the failure, the mistake, the past, the thing you're trying to get over and you say, I don't want anybody to know about that. And then all of a sudden it comes out and you're exposed, humiliated, shame. You say, I can never work there again. I can, I can never face that person again. What I've done is so bad. It's just, I, I can't even believe what they have done to me. What they have done to me. I could, I could never go to another family reunion and see that person. I could never have dinner with them again. It's over. It's, it's, it's absolutely ruined. All the business has been put on the table. There are moments in life when we're wounded and we feel like that we are the, the object of scorn and humiliation. People gloat over us. Scripture is teaching us. Disappointment may alter our outlook, but disappointment doesn't have to alter our outcome in life and our destiny. There's been something that's happened to you and Maybe it's redefined your life. Maybe it has put you in a position you never thought you would be in. And now other people know. Can I tell you? God can help you. And then we come down to verse number 30 and 31. And it's at this venture I'm going to take us into communion. And I'm going to ask you to let the Lord heal some of the hurt, to heal some of the wounds in your heart. 
Some of us are frozen in an experience, in a pain, in a crisis, in a failure. And God wants to heal you. In verse number 30 and 31, closing out this song, it says, future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. The last phrase to this song is, he has done it. And I want to suggest to you that's exactly what they heard Jesus say on the cross. It is finished. It is finished. They heard Jesus say that on the cross. And then all of a sudden when Jesus had said that phrase, it is finished, his, his chin fell into the locks of his shoulder. His body went limp. His body went weak. And he died. The last statement we have on J Jesus on the cross is, it is finished. I suggest to you, it was the last stanza of the song. But what I want to point out to you, before he uttered that, the last thought in Jesus' mind was about you. It says in verse number 30, to a people yet unborn, to a people yet unborn, it will be de declared to them, he has done it. Can I suggest to you, when Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. When he hung there in his dying moment, his dying breath, he was extending the mercy of God to you and I. He was saying to you, when you think you can't do it, when you say, I can't, God is saying you can because of his mercy. When you're saying you're washed up, when you're saying your future has been run, when you're saying that you're stained, when you're saying it's over with, when you're saying it's irreparable, it can't be retrieved. He was thinking of you to a people yet unborn. They will say, he has done it. And then our Savior died. So with that in mind, I'm going to invite you, balcony, main floor, to join me and stand as we go into communion right now. You're holding in your hand the elements of the Lord. The bread representing his broken body. The cup representing his shed blood. These elements argue against the statement, I can't do it. It argues against the conclusion, I'm washed up, it's done, it's over. I can never come back. I've thrown it all away. I've messed up. I'm, I'm, I'm so far, God could never, God could never retrieve my life and God could never rewrite my story. And here's what Jesus said. He sang the song. You were on his mind. To a people yet unborn, my mercy is going to step into their life and they're going to say, he has done it. He has done it that in mind. Let's pray over the elements. Father, I hold here the bread and the cup, symbolic of the body and the blood of the Lord. There are people in this audience that need to know the healing power of Jesus. 
Some came in with a physical need, been, been tormented and, and frustrated by physical ailment. God healed them today. There are people here. They're tormented by their past. They're, they're tormented by their mistake. They feel like water that's been poured out. They're saying to themselves, I have nothing left to give. I can't go on. They've even uttered it in their prayer, and they've even said in the dark hours of the night and lonely moments, God, where are you? Have you forsaken me? Have you abandoned me in my anguish? And God, they need to know you have not abandoned them. You have, you have not walked away from them. And I pray today, as we share the communion and reminded of Jesus, his body and his sacrifice on the cross, that their commitment to Jesus will be renewed and refreshed. They'll be reminded that God works in their behalf. They'll be reminded of the mercy of God. They'll be reminded that when they're at their worst, God loves them the most. He will not walk out. He will not abandon them. They may fall. But God, your promise is you will uphold them with your strong hand. And I encourage people with that today. In Jesus' name, amen. The bread. Representative of the broken body of the Lord. Would you take in remembrance of the Lord Jesus now? Yes, Jesus, by your stripes we're healed. Yes, Jesus, memories are healed. Hearts are healed. God, in the name of Jesus, just relieve the torment and the pain from your people. The cup. Jesus said the new covenant in his blood. He, he cures, he saves, he redeems, he washes away. He gives us a making new moment. Because of Jesus, let's take together in the name of the Lord. Right before we go into a moment of personal devotion and worship, I want to suggest God wants to take your I can't. Some of us are saying, I can't. I can't get over it. I can't forgive the person. I can't be forgiven. I, I, I can't move into the future. I'm, I'm frozen by pain. I'm, I'm scarred for life. Some of you thinking you're damaged goods. And God has a different perspective on your life. He wants to take you from I can't to so well I.
should do your heart good to know that on the cross right before Jesus uttered it is finished he was thinking about a people yet unborn and he was thinking about you and God was saying you can do it because of his mercy I bless you in the name of the Lord and I pray you go into this passion week encouraged by God's mercy in your life Go in the goodness of the Lord. God bless you.